Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. We know from Acts chapter 28 that the Apostle Paul arrived in Rome in 60 AD, and he was there under house arrest for a couple years, albeit with a great deal of liberty. And at least one scholar, one of my past profs, Dr. John Hutchison, thinks it wasn't very long before he fired off some letters, including one to a slave owner named Philemon. Hey, Hopeful. Welcome to episode 1922 of our journey together through the Bible. Yep, that nearly 2,000 of them. Reading through every word of God's revelation of himself and considering life along the way. Including the fact that it is here that I'll just mention that I welcome communication and questions. So if you ever wonder why the Bible doesn't say something like, you shouldn't own slaves, or you hear that objection... And how we still arrive at the conclusion that the Bible clearly says you shouldn't own slaves? (laughs) Give me a shout. And today we're going to read the one chapter, I wouldn't even call it a chapter, the short book of Philemon, which is a short plea for the grace of a Christian brother. And it happens to be an act of mediation between slave and master. As Douglas Moo put it in his commentary, as important as it is, slavery is not what Philemon is ultimately, quote unquote, about. It is important not to allow the pressing modern problem to derail us from recognizing and applying the key theological teaching of the letter. As we have seen above, Paul's one clear request with respect to Onesimus is that Philemon accept him as a Christian brother with all that, that that this acceptance would entail. Easy for me to say, unquote. <laughs> Philemon, keeping it real here today on the For the Hope Show. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God when I mention you in my prayers, because I hear of your love for all the saints and the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. For I have great joy and encouragement from your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. For this reason, although I have great boldness in Christ to command you to do what is right, I appeal to you instead, on the basis of love, I, Paul, as an elderly man and now as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, appeal to you for my son Onesimus. I became his father while I was in chains. Once he was useless to you, but now he is useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you. I'm sending my very own heart. 
I wanted to keep him with me so that in my imprisonment for the gospel he might serve me in your place. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that your good deed might not be out of obligation but of your own free will. For perhaps this is why he has separated from you for a brief time so that you might get him back permanently no longer as a slave but more than a slave as a dearly loved brother he is especially so to me but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the lord so if you consider me a partner welcome him as you would me and if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything charge that to my account i paul write this with my own hand i will repay it not to mention to you that you owe me even your very self. Yes, brother, may I benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Since I am confident of your obedience, I'm writing to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me since I hope that through your prayers I will be restored to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And that's the book of Philemon. So, to put an exclamation point on that short letter, my friends, don't miss this. The central theme of the letter is koinonia, fellowship. So, give me a shout. We'll chat over Zoom or coffee. We'll pray together. And we'll talk about slavery if you want to. And one of the things that I might even say to you is this. <laughs> Consider today's Old Testament passage uh, filled with violence is just where we're going to be today. And my question is this. Is that prescriptive or descriptive? I mean, that's a rhetorical question. There is a whole lot of real life in the Bible a key theme of which is that a real creator can and does execute real judgment on real people who really reject him. And we don't always understand God's timing for grace or judgment, but he's God and I'm not. But we should never miss his grace and patience for us uh, when we give him the one-finger salute. Well, I mean, you never do, but I sure spent a chunk of my life doing that. Second Kings, picking up in chapter 9. The prophet Elisha called one of the sons of the prophets and said, Tuck your mantle under your belt, take a flask of oil with you, and go to Ramoth-Gilead. When you get there, look for Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, son of Nimshi. Go in, get him away from his colleagues, and take him to an inner room. Then take the flask of oil, pour it on his head, and say, this is what the Lord says, I anoint you king over Israel. Open the door and escape. Don't wait. So the young prophet went to Ramoth-Gilead. When he arrived, the army commanders were sitting there, so he said, I have a message for you, commander. Jehu asked, For which one of us? He answered, For you, commander. So Jehu got up and went into the house. The young prophet poured oil on his head and said, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I anoint you king over the Lord's people Israel. 
You are to strike down the house of your master Ahab, so that I may avenge the blood shed by the hand of Jezebel, the blood of my servants, the prophets, and of all the servants of the Lord. The whole house of Ahab will perish, and I will wipe out all Ahab's males, both slave and free, in Israel. I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, son of Nabat, and like the house of Baasha, son of Ahijah. The dogs will eat Jezebel in the plot of land at Jezreel, and no one will bury her. Then the young prophet opened the door and escaped. When Jehu came out to his master's servants, they asked, "Uh, Is everything all right? Why did this crazy person come to you? And he said to them, You know the sort, and they're ranting. But they replied, That's a lie. Tell us. So Jehu said, He talked to me about this and that and said, Well, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to anoint you king over Israel. Each man quickly took out his garment and put it under Jehu on the bare steps. They blew the ram's horn and proclaimed, Jehu is king. Then Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, son of Nimshi, conspired against Joram. Joram and all Israel had been at Ramoth-Gilead on guard against King Hazael of Aram. But King Joram had returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds of the Aram, that the Arameans had inflicted on him when he fought against Aram's King Hazael. Jehu said, If you commanders wish to make me king, then don't let anyone escape from the city to go tell about it in Jezreel. Jehu got into his chariot and went to Jezreel since Joram was laid up there and King Ahaziah of Judah had gone down to visit Joram. Now the watchman was standing on the tower in Jezreel and he saw Jehu's mob approaching and shouted, I see a mob. Joram responded, Choose a rider and send him to meet them and have him ask, Do you come in peace? So a horseman went to meet Jehu and said, This is what the king asks. Do you come in peace? Jehu replied, What do you have to do with peace? Fall in behind me. The watchman reported, The messenger reached them, but hasn't started back. So he sent out a second horseman, who went to them and said, The king asks, Do you come in peace? Jehu answered, What do you have to do with peace? Fall in behind me. Again, the watchman reported, He reached them, but he hasn't started back. Also, the driving is like that of Jehu, son of Nimshi. He drives like a madman. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy drivers on the roads. Get the chariot ready, Joram shouted, and they got it ready. Then King Joram of Israel and King Ahaziah of Judah set out, each in his own chariot, and met Jehu at the plot of land of Naboth the Jezreelite. When Joram saw Jehu, he asked, Do you come in peace, Jehu? He answered, What peace can there be as long as there is so much prostitution and sorcery from your mother Jezebel? Joram turned around and fled, shouting to Ahaziah, It's treachery, Ahaziah! Then Jehu drew his bow and shot Joram between the shoulders. The arrow went through his heart, and he slumped down in his chariot. Jehu said to Bidkar, his aide, Pick him up and throw him on the plot of ground belonging to Naboth the Jezreelite, 
For remember when you and I were riding side by side behind his father Ahab, and the Lord uttered this pronouncement against him, saying, As surely as I saw the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons yesterday, this is the Lord's declaration, so I will repay you on this plot of land. This is the Lord's declaration. So now, according to the word of the Lord, pick him up and throw him on that plot of land. When King Ahaziah of Judah saw what was happening, he fled up the road toward Beth Hagon. Jehu pursued him, shouting, Shoot him too! So they shot him in his chariot at Gur Pass near Iblium, and he, but he fled to Megiddo and died there. Then his servants carried him to Jerusalem in a chariot and buried him in his ancestor's tomb in the city of David. It was in the eleventh year of Joram son of Ahab that Ahaziah had become king over Judah. When Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard about it, so she painted her eyes, fixed her hair, and looked down from the window. As Jehu entered the city gate, she said, Do you come in peace, Zimri, killer of your master? He looked up toward the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked down at him and he said, Throw her down. <laughs> so they threw her down. And some of her blood splattered on the wall and on the horses. And Jehu rode over her. Then he went in, ate and drank, and said, Take care of this cursed woman and bury her, since she's a king's daughter. But when they went out to bury her, they did not find anything but the skull, the feet, and the hands. So they went back and told him, and he said, This fulfills the Lord's word that he spoke through his servant Elijah the Tishbite, when he said, In the plot of land at Jezreel the dogs will eat Jezebel's flesh. Jezebel's corpse will be like manure on the surface of the ground in the plot of land at Jezreel so that no one will be able to say, This is Jezebel. Since Ahab had 70 sons in Samaria, Jehu wrote letters and sent them to Samaria to the rulers of Jezreel, to the elders, and to the guardians of Ahab's sons, saying, Your master's sons are with you, and you have chariots, horses, a fortified city, and weaponry, so when this letter arrives, select the most qualified of your master's sons, set him on his father's throne, and fight for your master's house. However, they were terrified and reasoned. Look, two kings couldn't stand against him. How could we? So the overseer of the palace, the overseer of the city, the elders and the guardians sent a message to Jehu. We are your servants, and we will do whatever you tell us. We will not make anyone king. Do whatever you think is right. Then Jehu wrote them a second letter, saying, If you are on my side, and if you will obey me, bring me the heads of your master's sons at this time tomorrow in Jezreel. All seventy of the king's sons were being cared for by the city's prominent men. When the letter came to them, they took the king's sons and slaughtered all seventy, put their heads in baskets, and sent them to Jehu at Jezreel. When the messenger came and told, that, told him, They have brought the heads of the king's sons. The king said, Pile them in two heaps at the entrance of the city gate until morning. The next morning when he went out and stood at the gate, he said to all the people, You are innocent. It was I who conspired against my master and killed him. 
But who struck down all these? Know then that not a word the Lord spoke against the house of Ahab will fail, for the Lord has done what he promised through his servant Elijah. So Jehu killed all who remained of the house of Ahab in Jezreel, all his great men, close friends, and priests, leaving no survivors. Then he set out and went to Samaria. On the way, while he was at Beth Aked of the shepherds, Jehu met the relatives of King Ahaziah of Judah and asked, Who are you? They answered, We're Ahaziah's relatives. We've come down to greet the king's sons and the queen mother's sons. Then Jehu ordered, Take them alive. So they took them alive and then slaughtered them at the pit of Beth Eked, 42 men. He didn't spare any of them. When he left there, he found Jehonadab, son of Rechab, coming to meet him. He greeted him and then asked, Is your heart one with mine? It is, Jehonadab replied. Jehu said, If it is, give me your hand. So he gave him his hand, and Jehu pulled him up into his chariot with him, and then he said, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. So he let him ride with him in his chariot. When Jehu came to Samaria, he struck down all who remained of the house of Ahab in Samaria until he had annihilated his house according to the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah. Then Jehu brought all the people together and said to them, Ahab served Baal a little, but Jehu will serve him a lot. Now therefore summon to me all the prophets of Baal, all his servants and all his priests, none must be missing, for I have a great sacrifice for Baal. Whoever is missing will not live. However, Jehu was acting deceptively in order to destroy the servants of Baal. Jehu commanded, Consecrate a solemn assembly for Baal. So they called one. Then Jehu sent messengers throughout all Israel, and all the servants of Baal came. No one failed to come. They entered the temple of Baal, and it was filled from one end to the other, and then he said to the custodian of the wardrobe, Bring out the garments for all the servants of Baal. So he brought out their garments. Then Jehu and Jehonadab, son of Rechab, entered the temple of Baal, and Jehu said to the servants of Baal, Look carefully to see that no servants of the Lord here are among you, only servants of Baal. And then they went in to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings. Now Jehu had stationed 80 men outside, and he warned them, Whoever allows any of the men I am placing in your hands to escape will forfeit his life for theirs. When he finished offering the burnt offering, Jehu said to the guards and officers, Go in and kill them. Don't let anyone out. So they struck them down with the sword. Then the guards and officers threw the bodies out and went into the inner room of the temple of Baal. They brought out the pillar of the temple of Baal and burned it, and they tore down the pillar of Baal. And then they tore down the temple of Baal and made it a latrine, which it still is today. Jehu eliminated Baal worship from Israel, but he did not turn away from the sins that Jeroboam son of Nebat had caused Israel to commit, worshiping the gold calves that were in Bethel and Dan. Nevertheless, the Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in carrying out what is right in my sight, and have done to the house of Ahab all that was in my heart, four generations of your sons will sit on the throne of Israel. Yet Jehu was not 
careful to follow the instruction of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart. He did not turn from the sins that Jeroboam had caused Israel to commit. In those days, the Lord began to reduce the size of Israel. Hazael defeated the Israelites throughout their territory from the Jordan eastward, the whole land of Gilead, the Gadites, Reubenites, and Manassites, from Aror, which is by the Arnon Valley, through Gilead to Bashan. And the rest of the events of Jehu's reign, along with all his accomplishments and all his might, are written in the historical record of Israel's kings. Jehu rested with his ancestors and was buried in Samaria. His son Jehoahaz became king in his place. The length of Jehu's reign over Israel and Samaria was 28 years. 2 Kings 9 and 10 Lord, I pray that we would see you more clearly and fall in love with you more deeply. Realizing, Lord, that we can't serve you half-heartedly. And that sometimes we do. We thank you for your patience and grace. And most of all, the sacrifice of your son. In Jesus' name, I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.